Welcome to the Daryl Smith Podcast Show. Our voices, our views, our generation. Let's conversate. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another installment of the Daryl Smith Podcast Show. And um, I want to say, as they say, I'm back. I've been gone for a few months, and I'm sorry, everyone out there, listen to my show. I've been gone for a few months, taking some time off this summer, upgraded my vehicle, enjoyed the weather this summer, activities. I mean, this is the last weekend, last official Saturday or weekend for the summer. We start fall in five days from now. And also, I'm actually, as we go along with more podcast episodes, I'm, I'm re- reformatting my show to drill down a little bit more of my focus of what the original mission was on my podcast episodes as I continue on going forward, forth with uh, me doing this. But I also want to share with the listeners out there that I just celebrated two years of doing this this past August. Uh, so I'm pretty happy about that major accomplishment in doing this and uh, continue to be around many more years to come, hopefully. And if anyone out there, please hit the like or subscribe button on Spotify, Google, Apple, anywhere you get a podcast, hit the like or subscribe button. So getting to our topic today, I wanted to uh, bring back a returning guest. She was on here before back in uh, December of 2020, but this time she's back in studio. She's a studio this time, which I'm glad she's in person this time. Unlike last time, we did a virtual. She's a world-renowned artist, music educator, and all-around awesome person. And my guest today is... um. Ms. Claudia Reinhardt Johnson. So, Claudia, thank you for coming back in on the show, and thank you for coming into the studio today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, you're very welcome. I love the space. Yes, it's very nice. So, first question I know, actually, before, but since you're on here again, to reintroduce yourself to everybody, can you tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. I grew up on the East Coast in New York and went to Syracuse College Syracuse University, and then I headed back to Long Island and didn't last long, went into Manhattan and started trying to work as a vocalist, basically. My my degree was started out as a vocal performance major, and then I switched it to business marketing and kept a minor in music. And then um, when I got to New York, I just wanted to, I wanted to make music. So I worked various areas. I worked in the garment district. I had to make money to live there, obviously, and yes, feed yeah. myself. Uh, but then I just started working as a vocalist. I started getting work as a singer, doing jingles and backing vocals, live stuff. And then I started writing. I started working on writing my own music and developed it from there. And I had a band there for a number of years. Then got into vocal coaching because I had a vocal issue and discovered I had a small nodule on my vocal cords. Um, I literally was singing seven nights a week. And that's a detriment to, it's a detriment to your instrument. So I started to learn about vocal health, and I got very, very involved in that. And from working with my vocal coach, who was amazing, Jerry Jansen, I started to learn about how to care for the instrument. And then eventually kind of did this staying as a vocalist and a performer, but also getting into educating people. And I did a long study of vocal health and vocal technique and how to show people how to do what I was doing because I was working, singing seven nights a week, being available to do jingles during the day or recordings during the day, and my voice was on, totally on point. What ended up happening is I still have the nodule to this day. Okay. Never goes away. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, When you have vocal, any kind of vocal damage, it's there for life. There's no store. You can't replace the string like you do on a guitar. That's very true. So that's part of my other business. I have a vocal studio. But with that, did, did it change how well you had to sing compared after the uh, nodule? Did you have to 
change how your singing technique was or did it, was it still the same? Or? Oh yeah. I had to learn to sing properly. I mean, I studied with classical teachers for many years. Okay. And when you're st- singing classical, you're in a specific range, but I was singing my entire range and I'd never really knew how to sing properly in my chest range. Oh, okay. So I had to learn how to do that, which is how I ended up with Jerry and then learning how to use my voice properly, how to breathe properly, things I just never learned, which is surprising, but it's what it was. So, yeah. And I'm I'm a very controlled singer at this point. Like, I really, really concentrate a lot when I'm singing because I do have some damage. So I don't have the freedom that other, like, a, a healthy voice has. Although my vocal cords are incredibly healthy for what I have. That's good. So I, I met an amazing otorologist here at Freighter who I absolutely love. Okay. Dr. Bach. And I see him every two years. I get scoped and everything gets looked oh, at and checked well, out every two years. That's good. Yeah, and he makes a cool little video. <laughs> <laughs> and I think about it, like you said, singing, all that stuff comes in handy, like the breath, how you get, especially if you try to hit high notes, you got to make sure you have the mm-hmm. proper breath. Oh, yeah. The proper, uh, you know, you got to pace yourself. You can't just go too high or too low. You got to make sure you do it right. It's a, it's, a, it's a process of being a singer. Like anything else is a process. And if you want to be, be able to sing successfully, do it very well. You have to practice, first of all, but you also oh, yeah. have to be able to make sure you hone your, your skill, your technique. Oh, yeah. I practice every day. That's important. I probably put in about an hour and 20 minutes every day just on vocal technique. Okay. And then I work. I work songs or whatever I have to work on. Last night at 10 o'clock, I, I, play, I have a gig coming up, so I played through both sets. I just sang and played through both sets. I'm about to get to that, too, in a moment. I'm glad you mentioned that. So next question is, that how does it feel to perform live music now in 2022 compared to the last few years of this uh, pandemic that we're coming out of? Well, it feels great because there wasn't a lot. There was, like, nothing happening. <laughs> Especially two years ago. Yeah, and there was a lot of last-minute cancellations on things. And, I mean, luckily... My business, my, my vocal studio business was phenomenal. That's good. Because everybody was like, hey, I want to learn how to sing. And vocalists were like, I still need to be doing things. So in that regard, it was great for me because I went virtual, which I don't love. It's not ideal, but I really, I became really good at it. <laughs> That's good. You know, you know, the master of invention, right? But performing live now it just feels good. Really, really good. And I think those, those these three years have changed my trajectory on how I wanted to do things. And I wanted to like, cause you're, everyone was alone. Right. So I just started like working on my stuff, what it would be like to do it. Just me and piano. I mean, I do it as a trio cause I really love working with the guys I work with, but I just was like, okay, this is what it is right now. So if you are going to get to do anything, you might as well work it out as a, as a solo. Very true. So it helped, it helped, Bring the game up a whole to a whole different level. So with that, you're saying now you're you're back in full demand with a lot of performances, right? You yeah, I think good. everybody's. I mean, my husband's a jazz musician. He's getting called nonstop. That's a good thing. Which is great. It's a great thing. Well, you mentioned before in your last the last episode we did that he was performing prior to the pandemic. He was uh, last couple of years he was performing a lot in Europe prior yeah. prior in the past. Yeah. And you told me, you just told me before we started, you told me he worked with likes of Aretha Franklin. Yeah, he uh, played with Aretha a few well, times in New York. When Aretha would travel, she would usually, wherever she, whatever service she went to, she would get horn players in that town. And so he was part of that wow. group of guys who played with her. Well, Macy, rest in peace, the queen of soul. Yeah. He said she was just amazing. She was never in rehearsals. She didn't come for rehearsals. Oh, man. Really. 
she had the band rehearse, but every once in a while she'd just kind of slip in when yeah. they didn't expect her, and she'd, yeah. she'd get on the piano and do it all herself. Wow. And if somebody missed something or wasn't right, she she wouldn't call them out in a bad way. She would just be like, that that wasn't correct. She was phenomenal. An she unbelievable was. musician. Not just for who she was, but like, I mean, a great musician. Well, yeah, she's, an amazing she's, musician. she's a legend. That's why you, Yeah. And who else did he work with also? You said he worked with a couple of He was of on Kelly too. Clarkson's record. He's played he did Tonight Show with Michael Bublé. Oh man. He did a bunch uh, some project stuff with Elvis Costello. Yeah, he's done quite a bit of stuff, and he's—I mean—he's really well known in the jazz world. I was since y'all both musicians, even though he's a jazz artist, you're more of a—you're a singer, but I would say you do more. He does jazz. He's a jazz performer. You're not, I guess, different from jazz. Yeah, I'm in—I'm kind of contemporary. You know, back in the day, it was alternative. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 you did, know, in the '90s, yeah. it was oh, considered yeah, yeah, alternative. Yeah, definitely an alternative back in the yeah. '90s. But how does that? Feed, how do y'all feed off each other? Which I said y'all both are musicians, but from different genres. I think because we're both musicians when it comes down to it, and I've learned so much from him. Like when I write a tune, I almost always like. I'll say, I, okay, I need you to come in and listen to this, and I'll play it. And, and sometimes I'll be like, I'm doing this crazy rhythm thing. What am I doing? And he'll help me, like, write out with the, with the rhythm what I'm doing there, you know? Like, because sometimes I'm like, this is what I'm feeling, but I don't know how to communicate it. Like, what am I doing? Or I'll get stuck, and I'll be like, okay, so this is where I am. He's like, okay, show me where you're coming. Where do you want to end up, you know, musically? like chord progression wise. So he'll help me like that because I, I sometimes I just get stuck and he's, and he'll always be honest, like a hundred percent honest with me. So like I, having him around, it's really helpful. That's and good. we support each other. We always have since the beginning. Well, that's good. You know, we were always like, you know, passing in the night because we were always doing different kind of gigs. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we were on gigs together when we first met. That's how we met. We were doing club dates in New York, which yeah. are private function gigs. That's how, you, that's how you paid your rent. And everything else was just cake over that. And in New York, you did a lot of paying your dues. So you did those $50 gigs and a beer. That still happens here, which is surprising. But in New York, that doesn't happen so much anymore. But It's, it's, a little, it's totally different now, right? It's very different. And there's not as much stuff in New York, believe it or not. I mean, it's really hard. A lot of clubs closed. Oh yeah, a lot of things. Well, things the pa- the pandemic did put a big. It did put a damper on it, like but that. it was happening even before then, which is kind of. It, it was just it was just it just exacerbated, made it even yeah. worse. Because I know a lot of major cities like New York, uh, Chicago, uh, L.A., San Francisco, bigger cities in here, a lot of their businesses they had were never have not come back. Oh, I know. They ceased to exist. What you're saying? I mean, yeah. Speaking of live performances, uh, let's go over your lot. Let's review your live performance you had on June 3rd this year at Cafe Central on the East Side. Well, anybody knows in Milwaukee knows uh, Cafe Central's on East Center Street on the river, river west part of Milwaukee, attached to the uh, is a restaurant and as a, a bar that yeah. you performed at. Right next so to the Central Cafe is there, Central and Cafe. then they opened a Bar Central. Yeah, bar, I mean Bar Central. That's my first. That's my first time seeing you live performance. So. For that performance you gave on June 3rd, can you give us some insights about your inspiration you have from your live experiences and creating your songs you did for that uh, that particular um, performance, especially in, 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 at, towards the end of your soul? Yeah. So it was a mix of music from my original, my first record that I made in 80, uh, 2001, I guess it was, 2002? No, 2002. Yes. Because I was very pregnant when I released that record. And 
some of the, the, the four song EP I released a couple of years ago, like three years ago, and seven songs that are in the can in the studio that because of COVID, I didn't get to do anything with, which I'm going, actually, I'm going back in the studio on Friday. That's good. To just kind of like reassess everything and go, okay, here are those seven songs that have been sitting here. And speaking of that, since you mentioned it, I'm glad you mentioned it because I was actually about this. But with those seven songs, you're gonna go back this Friday to to, to finish up or to. I'm gonna finish up because I really like what they're what they were. I really liked what we had done with them. What is what is what do you think is anticip, anticipated release date for the audience so they know what potential when it might come out? You think? I don't know. Only because financially. Oh okay. So probably <laughs> next year we're talking about right. Um, well, I wouldn't release anything because it you know you either release in the fall or late spring. That's the best time to do it. Yeah, like you'd release in like March or something like that. I don't think I'll get it all done by then because I still have to mix and master. Okay. And I'm starting to lay the groundwork for it all. Like I have to get photos. I got to oh, yeah. decide the yeah. cover. There's a lot of work that comes into there's it. There's a lot of there's a lot of hats, and I'm not even that great at all the hat. Like all the like the postings and all that kind of I'm not that great at the that marketing stuff. side I'm good at the like recording portion the writing portion the performance portion all that and my, my approach is like anything you do if you're not an expert what you do you pay the people that are experts to do to, to do what they got to do like the marketing side the AR yeah. side you pay those people to do that do what if they specialize and they're great at what they do pay them to do what they got to do I know. you can't do everything yeah, I know. Unfortunately, a lot of musicians and songwriters and we release art, you know, we don't have that kind of financing. Yeah. You know, so. But that show in particular was me pulling together songs I wanted to present. So I didn't play everything I have. And I had two sets. So it was about two and a half hours worth of music. And I, and I, I know with you and your, your two other players, your trio that you have, this is a, a new group that you're that you're working with now for the last yeah. several months now, right? Yeah. Well, I've known these guys, Chris Newland on guitar and Paul Westfall on drums. I've known these guys for a number of years. So through my vocal studio, I do a lot of performance stuff with my students. So I use, those guys have been, I do two big showcases every year with my students so they get to work with an actual band. Okay. So like last year we did 90s, so they did all that. So I have those guys play. They play in the band along with a couple of other guys, Nick Buendia on bass and David Brady on keys. So all of those guys play for my studio. And then when I, when I saw from the performance, I could tell that y'all, y'all gel very well together. We did. Feed off, feed off each other very good in terms we of the, just the overall the vibe. We could tell that y'all yeah. are in sync with each other. Y'all been doing this for a while. Well, we have and we haven't. So we've been doing gigs together in terms of for my studio. But as a trio for my stuff, we'd only had like two full rehearsals. Wow. But that's the that's the sign of great musicians. You know, like in New York, that's what you do because, because rehearsal space you have to pay for every time you rehearse. And you've got to pay musicians in New York. So I got really good at two rehearsals and a gig. Like everyone's got to nail it, right? So getting everybody their music, getting them the charts, making sure they know what they need to have, if, if plus recordings if I had them. Anything that was new that I didn't have a recording of, I do a little mini recording of and give it to them. So everyone's prepared. Everyone has their, if they, everyone does their homework, it can be done. And speaking of that, and the song that you, um, we talked about a few minutes ago before we started, the song that you did that was dedicated to your, your older brother, oldest brother who sadly passed, he was he passed by a couple of years before your daughter was born. Yes. If you don't mind, can you tell the audience a little bit about the inspiration about that particular song that you did uh, that night that was uh, kind of dedicated to your brother and your older brother and your um your daughter? Yeah, 
so I actually ended up doing that as the last song of the night, and it's a very, it's a slow song in um, in three, so it's got this waltzy feel to it. And I typically wouldn't end a set or end a night with a slow song, but it's a very very intimate song, and 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 I that's why I like playing live, and especially doing this trio thing. I really get to like meet the audience, and they get to meet me. I get to share stories and tell stories with my songs. And some of the great, the best artists out there are storytellers. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what, that's who I am. So. And how, how cathartic is that song? You, and actually, how cathartic it is, is it? It is. And it was, I hadn't done it in a really long time. And I got very emotional. I know, I know you did. I really did. And, and I do get very emotional. If, if I allow myself to really think about the start of that song, like my brother had passed. It was a very difficult, difficult time in my life. At the same time, Russ and I had bought our first apartment in Brooklyn. So, and he had to travel to Europe. So I was by myself in this brand new apartment in Brooklyn. And I knew the area, but not well. My brother had just passed and I was trying to set up this apartment and I got this piano in there. And it just, the song just started coming out. I wanted very much to be pregnant, getting pregnant, and we weren't having an easy time of it. But as the song was coming out, I was realizing I was talking about him, but I was talking about hopefully that whatever child I have has a little bit of him in them. And God gave you a, gave you a blessing, gave you a daughter. Yeah. And then your daughter was there that night, that, that night, yes. that night too. What does she say about what Yeah, she say I don't about think she knew so much. Like, I think she'd heard it through her life, but never made the connection. And she's 19, so, and I hadn't done the song in so long. So when I said this, she was kind of like, oh, <laughs> like, I didn't know this. I think in my mind, I was like, well, she knows this, but she didn't really know it. So it was emotional for her, too. And it's, I mean, I remember, I did do this song many, many years ago in New York. She, and she was at the gig. My kid has had an amazing, like, upbringing. She has spent a lot of time in clubs and recording studios. Because, <laughs> um, oh, you know, if I had a gig or he had a gig, we would, like, switch her off. Or yeah. if someone was in a recording studio, we'd bring her along. So she always had a lot of coloring supplies. And, well, that's good. Yeah, but she, I did do that gig, and she was about, I think, three or four. Oh, man. And I did that gig, and I told her about it. And she was kind of like what is happening? This is about me. And then she couldn't make the connection of why it was about her. It is and it isn't, you know, it's a combination of the two of them. Like my, my, I was very, very close to my brother. Oh yeah. And he had a, like an energy for life, like nobody else I'd known. So I was kind of hoping that a little bit of that gold dust would land on her. Well, and it's a good thing about it. It's, even though he's not here no more, his, his spirit is still here. Mm-hmm. You're still here oh, with absolutely. you. Oh, absolutely. With you and your daughter. That's absolutely. great. Absolutely. That's great. I mean, I like the song. I'm like, oh, man, this is really, really still just real, real good story about, real yeah. good background of story. Like, oh, I, I can feel this song. I can relate to yeah. some other aspects of my life in different ways. So yeah. that, was, that was great. And speaking of uh, your upcoming live performances, can you tell a little bit, the audience, a little bit about your many shows you have come up this uh, yeah. year? Yeah. So I'm doing a show at Bar Central again, which I really love the venue. On the 30th? On the 30th of September. And I'll be there. I'll That'd be, be there. great. It's great to have people there because then, then they have you come again. It's, yes, it really is. You need the you need the bodies. It's a great venue. 
it's a great room to play in. Very intimate, perfect for singer songwriter singer songwriters. Yes, it is. It really is. And if you're going to play a trio or a quartet, it's really nice in that regard. Then I'm doing their room again. I had reached out to the, the booking <laughs> guy there, and I was like, "Hey, so you gave me this great date. I'm just wondering if you're doing anything special for the holidays, because I could do a fun little holiday thing. Oh. So we're doing another one on December 16th." Okay, right before Christmas. So we're doing a little holiday thing. So it's going to be a mix of some traditional, you know, bring okay, out the old, like, okay. you know, chestnuts, okay, okay. but also some obscure kind of fun holiday songs and well, it's perfect stuff like timing. That. It's right before yeah, Christmas. Yeah, I'm going to educate Christmas some people season. on some new holiday music, which I'm always a big fan of, and I actually might even write something oh. for a holiday tune. I'll see. See what, see what you know, creative juice is happening. And I'll have a new song for this show, too, on the 30th. That's I good. think. I think. I'm basically done with it. It depends on how, if we can make it all happen in a rehearsal. And that's what the lesson two weeks are now, too. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, but I think, yeah. I think, I think, it I think we'll pull it off. I was going to let the audience know, I, I, went to the last, I went to the last show on the June 3rd. Just to let everyone know if we want to go to that show on, on June 30th, starts at 8 o'clock, right? Yes. Or my bad, sorry, sorry, September 30th. September 30th. So September 30th and at eight, 8 o'clock at uh, Bar Central. If you go, try to get there a little early because if you don't get there early, the place fills up pretty it fast. Packs. Now it's not as it's not as tight as uh, say the Jazz Estate. No, not as no, not no, as no. small as it's, it's a little bit bigger than that, but it still it's got can, a little space. But yeah. it, it still can fill up pretty fast. It can. It was packed. Yeah, it was. It was packed, and it was packed with a lot of people I didn't even know, which was really nice. That's good. Yeah. I also did St. Kate the Arts Hotel. I went. I went there too. I did that one, which is a very different kind of vibe, but still such a cool place to play. And I do interspurt some interesting covers, my versions of covers of things in with my stuff, like just a couple that are, that kind of fit with what I'm doing in a way. So there's a couple little covers in there, but you might, not, you might not even know them. And the St. Kate uh, about that location is it's got a nice open seat with nice, nice comfortable seats. Yeah. Right next to the bar. So it's yeah. very nice open setting. It's a really nice setting. And it, they do a lot, of music, a lot of music there every night I heard too. They do. They do music almost every night. And actually, I heard from the guy the other day, and he's like, I'm just looking at dates, so I'll let you know some stuff. So there'll be more stuff in the new year. I'm good. doing some, you know, I'm just checking out new places, trying That's to find good. places. I mean, I'm trying to find places that are going to pay, <laughs> basically. Have you thought about doing a Fister on the 23rd floor, the, the Blue Room? Well, that's the same guy who books St. Kate does oh, that. okay. So I don't know if, if, he, if he feels like what I do is right for that. Actually, my husband's playing there tonight. Oh, yes? Okay. Yeah, he's playing at Blue. I'll I be would, there. I was just there back two weeks ago. I went, I went with a meetup group at the Blue Room. I went a couple times recently in the last month or so, the mm -hmm. Blue Room. And it's a great obvious. You see, you got a great view of the city. Oh, it's a great space. Great, great, great space, great atmosphere. They do mostly jazz, though. They do, it is they really, do. Which is great, because you need that here. They do. Yeah, you, you they do. need, you know, yeah. the jazz estates changed their programming a little bit. Yeah, they have. And they ended up, for some reason, canceling a lot of the jazz musicians who were supposed to do gigs. Oh, man. So it, I don't know if the jazz estate is really staying the jazz estate. <laughs> I feel like it's just going to become the estate because they're... Well, they almost they almost didn't open back up for a while. They was touch and right. go for a minute. Well, they the have pandemic. a new guy. Somebody new is now uh, booking, okay. So okay. and he took out most of the jazz musicians, so I don't know what's happening there. Oh, that's not good. Because my husband was canceled off of two gigs. Wow. Yeah. That takes away the essence of what it Which was. Which is a, a shame, estate. yeah. It's a jazz estate. I mean, like, my husband talks about going to the Jazz Estate when he was, like, 18. Wow. Because he did grow up here, even though I, we met in New York. Yeah, he yeah, he, sure he lived in New York for 24 years. So. Yeah, he's a, he's a Wisconsin native. Yeah. So Wisconsin. that's how I ended up here. What time is he uh, performing tonight? Just curious.
I believe it's seven. Yeah, seven to eleven. They have open. Yeah, seven to eleven. Yes. On Friday and Saturday, a lot of missing seven to eleven on Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah. But that's the place. If you don't get there early, it feels so pretty quick. Yes, too. it does. It's a nice space, a real nice space. It is a nice space, a nice place to do. I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to see where else I can do what we do at Bar Centro. Like, we tweaked a little bit when we did when we did St. Kate, I think. It's just a little bit of a different vibe. But Bar Centro allows us to really have that intimate. Yeah, it does. I also really did. I had, a, I had somebody who was in Bar Centro the night I did the June gig asked us, asked, invited us to do a private house concert, which was so much fun. Oh, man. So he held a party for the air show because yeah. he lives near Lake Drive yeah. right on the lake. Yeah. yeah. So he had us. So we did the big party during the day so everyone could watch the air show. And then we were like the after dinner evening thing. And it was awesome. Like, wow. I'm loving the whole, you know, house concert setting was so much fun. Wow. That's nice. So much that's fun. Nice. That's nice. That was great. That's good. That's good. And again, just as a trio, we get to explore things. That's what I'm loving about working with Chris and Paul because we just kind of, we do feed off of one another and I can just, I can be doing something and they follow, they're like, they're, we're so in it. Like whatever we're, each one of us is doing, we're really aware of what the other's doing. That's so important. we play into it. That's important. It's really great. And I'm on, Next to last question. This stuff we talked about outside in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Uh, since, since you are a member, member of Generation X like I am, every guest I have come on out as Generation X, I ask them this question or pose this similar question. In your thoughts, why is Generation X important to our society and what do we offer that other generations do not bring to the table? I think we were in such transitional, we were such a transitional period of time I think we also bring to the table a work ethic that I, I agree with that. don't I agree with that. know if we see as much now and a value <laughs> yeah. on owning what it is we're doing and doing it well. I agree with you because I'm not trying to knock the young I mean, generation. that's a generalization. I'm not but. trying to knock the generation like the millennials. And your daughter's probably millennial, I guess, too. Now, not everybody's millennial is not thanks to world. Those are everything to no, be, my be kid's a hard worker. That's She'll good. work hard. I told you she's a hard worker. Not everyone is like that, but the general saying is that people think millennials think the world owes them everything. They feel, oh, yeah. they feel entitled. Oh, they're very, they're, yes. But you have to remember, they, they grew up in a very different time than we did, especially me. I mean, yes. you had social media around. I didn't have social media while I was in high school in, in the 80s and 90s. Social media was around. Cell phone percolation, the internet, all that things. Are, oh, yeah. There's so much more stuff out there than what it was even back 15, 20, 30 years ago. It's incredible how stuff has just snowballed. I mean, I had one of the earliest cell phones. I had that Motorola, that big oh, giant Motorola. Oh. And it had the big <laughs> thing that came down with yeah. the battery pack and the antenna. The power I pack mean, phone? Like I, and I was like, like nobody, like very few people had that. My father got me that phone because he was always, my dad was a doctor and he was always oh. worried. Oh, okay. He had six kids. He just always to make sure everyone oh, was yeah, like, yeah. okay. So he always wanted to be able to reach you. And he got me that phone. And I was like, I can't afford this thing. Are you crazy? He's like, I'll help you. <laughs> well, a quick fact, I don't know if you know this, but back in the 70s, I was watching an old episode of The Six Million Dollar Man. Oh, they had. Power pack phones. Yes. The little car phones. My dad had that. Oh, that was expensive. My dad had too. that in like late 80s. What's up, what's up, and like my this? brother had one. It looked like an army phone. Yeah, it started back in the seventies. Yeah, well, yeah, it did, but but most people didn't have it unless you were rich or wealthy people, back yeah. then. And even in the eighties, it was very few people had cell phones. Oh yeah, I mean, I didn't get my first cell phone until two thousand one when I was twenty two years old. So yeah. now kids got cell phones in middle school, which is uh, elementary school, which 
I don't. I can't imagine having a cell I phone had back one then. In the early nineties. Yeah, I mean, well, we gave my daughter a phone when she was in sixth grade. Okay. Well, but again, she has two parents who are musicians and oh, we yeah. travel and we're yeah. in studios and we're going, going, going. Yeah. And yeah, so that's, that's, that's it was sense. important in terms of us to getting her to her things as well. Like we were trying to do that as well as do what we were doing, you know. So if he had a recording studio, you know, session all day in Chicago, then I was on, I was up a deck to take care of what I needed to take care of for her as well as myself. That's true. So it made sense for that. And I also think going back to like my, kid having a good work ethic. I think it's because she saw, she sees how we are. She sees my husband practice for four hours a day. She sees me practice first day, first thing in the morning, an hour and 20 minutes. I'm warming up and doing my vocal work throughout difference. the day. Makes a big difference. She does. She sees us, how we work, and I run my own small business. Yes. You know? I think that work ethic, I agree. I'm the same way. I'm, I'm very, well, my full-time job and doing this, I, I put a lot of effort and time and make sure I do, I want to do well, whatever I do. Part of it's the fact that me being a former athlete, a football player from high school, an mm -hmm. athlete, yeah. I have that determination. I want to be, I set the bar high for myself and want to do well what I do. Mm -hmm. And I think that our generation was the last, and may I say, I'm going to let the, everybody know, if, if anyone who doesn't know, Gen X runs from 1965 to 1980. So that puts me being born in 79 at the end of the spectrum. And I guess you're at the beginning. Puts me at the beginning. Of the spectrum. So it's a little bit of a, yeah, it's a, it's a wide spectrum. But overall, as a generation, we do have a hard work ethic. And we were able to be around, well, life was like before the changeover in technology. And the changeover way, in technology and the changeover in. The way things are now in the world. What was going on politically. Yes. And this change in like the whole trickle down theory thing, you know, like <laughs> the 70s. And 80s. You worked a job. Yes. You made, you got paid. You worked hard for that. You know, I mean, God, I sound like back in those days. <laughs> but when everything happened with Reaganomics and all that, a oh, lot yeah. of that changed oh, and a lot of it became about, like, I feel in the 70s it was a lot about your community and your town and what you contribute. And then a lot of that happened and that seed began to plant of, well, I just want to make the money. I need more money. Well, I it, need more well, money. Well, it is about the about the mean the mean thing about Muhammad's yeah. money can get the greed greed power came in the eighties yeah. and that's what the And we saw we yes. saw what it was before and then transitioning into it. Well, I was I since I grew up in the eighties and nineties, I was yeah. in the midst of seeing as a little kid how it evolved in the eighties into the nineties and it magnified to a different area of hip hop music and rap music and R oh, B yeah. other aspects of society with different shows and it's is even magnified more now in the twenty first twenty first century. And what have you. But you make a very good point like that. I agree with you about the, about the hard work ethic and just the sense of being able to own your craft and own what you do. And own yeah. what you do. But yeah. that's something I think hopefully will start coming back more in our society as we move along in the next few years. Yeah. And I also think that we lo we've lost a lot of value of artists. You know, like I think back, God, there's, there's a great documentary and I can't remember the name of it, but like, what New York was like in the 90s. Well, I, I mean, like imagine. everywhere we went, there was artistry. Like, it was it, it was amazing. I like, I would do a gig on at, at a place called, you know, The Living Room, which was on the corner of Allen and, was it Stanton? And there was, like, five clubs, like, tick, 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 all the way down the road. And you would do, I would do a gig on that corner, and the bass player would be running to get around the corner to get to the next club that he was going to play. And I'd go over and watch him play. And then, like, I'd be like, oh, I got to hop out. I got to get up. You know, I got to go up five blocks because someone's doing a gig at this other place. And this is what it was like literally every night. 
I wish I, I wish it I was, was a, such an amazing and people creating yeah, art and there was small yeah. little storefronts that didn't cost a bajillion dollars to rent <laughs> where somebody was making yeah. her own hats, you know, oh, yeah, like it was just, I think our country was in just such an, uh, a booming artist thing. And then it yes, just yes, got, we all that. got priced out. See, I wish I was able to go to New York back in the nineties during that time. God, I, went, it was I, so amazing. I went there was back in 08. So it was a different vibe in 08 compared to it was in the nineties. So, but it's definitely, like I said, and then my last question for you, lastly, okay. sorry, what is your one piece of advice you would give to any aspiring artist in our post-pandemic world that we're in now? Well, we're out of this. So, I mean, exploring what you do, your artistry, exploring your music. Like, don't write music for anybody else. Don't write music to pigeonhole into a specific thing. Write music that comes naturally to you. And then just get out and start playing. I mean, I'm a believer in you got to pay your dues. Which is, was hard when I got here and nobody pays, you know, <laughs> nobody pays anything really here, which is tough. I paid my dues in New York. I, I played the, the 12 o'clock slot at Kenny's Castaway for $20 and a beer, you know. So, like, coming here and really wanting to make music and show what I can do. Although I had to see, you know, places like Bar Centro and do, getting in on the St. Saint, Kate and I'm looking yeah. at a bunch of other places to play. It... it it's turning into something more. But my, my, my thing is, I mean, they're way more hip in terms of technology. Yes. I mean, there's people, you know, they're making, they're making records in their, in their basements, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, yes. I go to a studio, yeah, but yeah. that's because I, I'm used, I, I have a certain level I want to be at and I don't have all that other ability. Yeah. You know, I'm used to like analog. <laughs> Oh, I know. And also, one more, thing. <laughs> one more thing. Where can people go to check out your website, to check out your music and everything else? I'm at ClaudiaJohnson.net. I'm going to be really honest. I'm not great about updating the website and you things need, like you that. Need to do, you need to do that. I need to really get better at that. But yeah. I just have, again, too many hats. But I do post on Facebook and Instagram. Yes, you do. I just made these little really cute, I should have brought one, little cute, like six by nine little mini posters. And I can write the dates on it. I just kind of pop, I hand those out to people. And then I usually do an email blast. Okay. That's good. And then, well. And word of mouth. Then, that word of mouth is big too. Yeah. All those things are big, very important. And um, I want to say, Claudia, thank you for coming again to the show. It's a pleasure having you again, like always, and to have you in person. And I will tell everybody out there, make sure you go out there and check her out this upcoming September 30th at Bar Central at 8 p.m. on the east side in River, in River West. And thank yeah. you again for coming to the show. Thank you so much. This was great. You're welcome, man. Great space. Oh, thank you. And also, with that being said, everybody, until next time we meet, take it easy and take care of yourself, and I'm out. <laughs>